0: You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts.
1: Welcome. I hope you're having an amazing day. You are listening to Provisions and Libations, and I am your host, Robin Bogue, on the Mission Matters Podcast Network. Today's topic is... Memories of a Cooking Class with the Queen of the Kitchen, Julia Childs. My guest today is Michelle Curtin. She and I have been friends now for 25 years, and she had told me about something that she had done when she was younger, and I'm like, we have to talk about that on the podcast. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for coming on. I think it's pretty amazing were the opportunities that you had when you were younger To be able to, first of all, just meet Julia Childs, but second of all, to take a class with her and learn from her at the age. You were telling me that you were in first and second grade. What prompted that to happen? Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, I was attending the Montessori Center School in Santa Barbara, and they were excellent at giving us different opportunities and encouraging us to learn everything. So they always said, you can cook, you can do math, you can dance, you can be a scientist, you can be a doctor, but you can love it all. And one day they said, we're going to have cooking lessons and we're only going to allow eight students Mm -hmm. and we're going to choose them by making sure that you have good grades, you're very polite, you raise your hand and your behavior must be great. (laughs)
1: Well, I would imagine that you would have to be very studious to be under the watchful eye of Julia Childs, because at that point, she was already Julia Childs. And I know in first and second grade, you may not have known that or realized that. But by that time, she'd already had TV shows and she'd already had written cookbooks, which I don't even know how many cookbooks to date she ever did do. But by that era in time,
0: she was already famous, world famous. I had no idea. It was presented to us more like she is a local chef cook who's excellent, but she's kind of like somebody's grandmother sort of feeling. Mm -hmm. And we were just excited to have the competition in the classroom. That way, eight of us could go. Mm -hmm. And I was thrilled to learn that I was one of them.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. I'm like reliving it myself thinking, oh, my God, that's amazing. So from that cooking class, what is it you feel you learned the most? Did she have a manual or anything? I think we talked about it. She didn't. You just attended. Wouldn't that have been neat to have that manual today?
0: If we had had a manual, I'm sure I would have kept it because I kept all of those sorts of papers and awards and instructions, Mm -hmm. but she didn't. She was there fully dressed in a beautiful dress. She had a lovely apron on. She wore high heels and she wore pearls.
1: (laughs) I can totally picture that as I'm sure the the listeners are envisioning that too, because that's her look. That's her, that's her persona. So
0: yes, she was very, very well dressed and extremely tall. Mm -hmm. And I just remember us looking up at her going, wow, she is the tallest, prettiest lady we've ever seen. Aww. And Aww. she was very well put together every mm-hmm.
1: day. Oh, very nice. So what was the first thing you learned? The first thing we learned was how to
0: crack eggs.
1: <laughs> People were probably going, what? But when you really think about it, if you've ever, if you've never grabbed an egg and cracked it, there's definitely a fine art to cracking an egg because I know I've done it my entire life, but I still, every once in a while, get the little egg shell that falls down and you have to fish it out or, you know, figure out how you're not going to let that end up in your food. So tell
0: me what you learned. So she told us that being able to crack an egg with no shells was the goal and that this was something we would learn. And she said, the way you learn is practice. So we each had a dozen eggs in front of us and our own bowls. And we just kept cracking the eggs until we got it where there were no shells going in. Mm-hmm. And then she would show us how to pick the shells out by using another piece of eggshell. Oh, wow. And how it would stick together perfectly.
1: See, I just learned something. And I'm sure other people listening learned something too. I had no idea that was the magic magic tool.
0: Yes. You just take a piece of eggshell and you put it in and you put it near mm-hmm. the piece of shell that's in your bowl. And it will just attach and you can pull it right out.
1: No way. I've always just put my finger in there and use my fingernail and just drug it out. So much easier
0: with an eggshell.
1: I will try that. I'm going to try that this weekend. So I'm still in awe over that. That's amazing. (laughs) What else did you learn? What was the next thing that you remember from that class?
0: Then she told us that to properly whisk an egg, you always use a fork. No, And you had to have lots of good wrist action. (laughs) So she would hold up her big fork and her wrist and she would just twirl it around and then she'd have us do it in the bowls. And we had to whisk our eggs until they were all proper and mixed together and fluffy. So did you ever do anything with the 12 eggs that you practiced on? Um, I think we each wound up using about two eggs Mm -hmm. to work on making little omelets. Oh, nice. Because we were first learning how to make either scrambled eggs or little omelets. Mm -hmm. And just to get through... That was probably a week worth of lessons. Mm -hmm. Was to get that down properly and to be able to cook it correctly without burning it in the pan.
1: Well, in that first and second grade, that's seven and eight years old. Which I know I was cooking at that time Um, when I was younger. My grandma had stayed with us. My um, mom had been in the hospital, and so that they would teach us how to cook. And so my sister and I had to learn. And so I know people are capable, but. I don't ever remember doing eggs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we did eggs. And the scary part was when we did the omelet part, she wanted you to flick the pan up and have the omelet flip over in the air and catch it in the pan. Oh my goodness. And we kept practicing and practicing and practicing. (laughs) And my classmate, Graham, he went home and was practicing at home too with his mom. And I can remember his mom, Nancy, saying to me, I can't believe you guys just are picking those frying pans up and throwing them up in the air so the eggs fly out and then you catch it.
1: Was that where the the saying, there's egg on your face? (laughs) 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 That's what I pictured. I'm like, even as an adult, I still am a little bit nervous. I can make an omelet and do all of that, but to flip it, I haven't done that in years. I just kind of keep pushing the egg into the middle and then I tip the pan and let it drip back out over the edge and that way it goes fans itself out to kind of cook so i
0: i do the cheater method
1: although now i'm going to be making an omelet and testing my skills cuz i know how i am <laughs>
0: it takes practice but when you practice it's fun and mm-hmm. you just get better at it
1: yeah so for an omelet did she tell you what toppings to put on
0: or that was just above and beyond for that class at first it was the basic plain omelet and then from there we worked on choosing vegetables oh wow and how to tell if they were fresh by feeling them and touching them. Mm-hmm. And then we worked on chopping the vegetables correctly mm-hmm. to be able to go in the omelets.
1: Very nice. That was impressive. Um, what is another thing we were
0: talking earlier um, about your workstation? So we each had a section of counter. It was in a large commercial kitchen and we each had our own little section. She was like, this is your workspace. And she said, at the end of each lesson, you have to clean up after yourself completely. But when you're learning, you're going to make a mess. You're going to spill. Something might even break. But it's okay because you're here to practice and to learn and to get better at this. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of each class, we had to clean it all up. And she'd come by and inspect to make sure it was all clean.
1: Oh, very nice. Can, the thought of that now as an adult, looking back, you're like, oh, my gosh, I was inspected by Julia Childs.
0: Right. I mean, she was clearly watching what we were doing and she was truly interested in our learning and wanting us to want to learn more. Mm -hmm. And that was truly evident. That opportunity, I feel like
1: in the schools these days, we need to bring back home ec and we need to bring back the the CET programs to where it's home ec, auto shop and all of that. So that way there's basic skills that we know and learn because nowadays a lot of
0: kids don't even know how to they don't cook they just DoorDash I completely agree learning yeah. how to cook is a necessity in life and it's not being taught and I personally have taught cooking lessons through 4H to children and young adults and it's something where they really need to get in there and just do it daily
1: mhm yeah, I think practicing, I mean, there really is no no wrong way unless you, well, there is a wrong way because like, if you don't follow the recipe for Nestle chocolate chips, for the cookies, you can't mix the sugar and the flour together. It's not going to work. I know I learned that as a kid thinking, well, I want chocolate chip cookies, so I'll make them myself. And I didn't follow the directions. And then we had like these lumps of stuff. And then my parents were like, well, it's I learned because then they they showed me how to read the recipe and I was like, okay, so then the next day I made them again and then they were much better. So there is a right and wrong way, but there really isn't a right and wrong way. As long as you know the basics to make food, you can make
0: anything that you want. Absolutely. But you have to start with an idea of what you want it to look like at the end and then you can change it as you go. Mm-hmm. You can add something more. You can go from sauteing it to maybe putting it in the oven and baking it to finish it. Mm-hmm. And you just have to keep working with it until you get your desired outcome of your meal.
1: Well, and I've eaten at your house. I know that you're an excellent cook. You've made Indian food. And I'm like, I I just simply don't know Indian food like oh. you do. And you, I was watching you cook it. And then when we ate it, I'm like, oh, my God. This is
0: amazing. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah, very good. Um, years and years of practice to get the Indian food right. So. Yeah.
1: Well, and you know that you were raised probably eating more Indian food than I was. You know, I was raised in a very small town called Shandon, California, you know, here in the heart of one country and on in the central coast of California, we didn't have Indian food there. We had a diner that was in the town and then the diner six miles out. Where the James Dean Memorial is now, or we could drive to Paso and eat out. So that didn't happen. After at the end of the day, people just didn't do that when I was younger, and so we ate at home. So we, as I've said before on other podcasts, we were raised with the Western way, and so we we ate a lot of steak and potatoes,
0: and you know, so I'm really good at that. (laughs) Yeah, and I grew up in Santa Barbara, so we. We ate out quite a bit, mm-hmm. but we also ate at home. Mm-hmm. And you name it, I can eat it. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. I love food. And you know, in Santa Barbara, there's different little sections where you can go way downtown. I can remember going to um La Toteca when it was still open in downtown Santa Barbara, and they'd make the tortillas right there and they'd sell the world's best fish tacos. And it was Yum. a teeny tiny hole in the wall. So
1: Yep. I think the hole in the walls are the best places to really get to learn about cuisine. A couple podcasts ago, I was talking about that in Guadalupe where we had dinner and then they ended up doing a salsa tasting at our table. And it was just fun to get a try. And one of them was lime green and I've never seen a lime green salsa before. So I think, and had we not been there, I still would never have seen it. So that going to the And I think Anthony Bourdain, that was what he used to love to do is to find that little place that, you know, other people didn't go to, to go and see what it is that they they eat and what's their culture. And I love doing stuff like that.
0: Absolutely. When you get to learn the culture and why they value what they're eating Mm -hmm. and what their thoughts are about it. You just learn so much more and then you truly can enjoy all the different flavors.
1: Yes, I agree that we need to go to Santa Barbara and go dining.
0: Oh, absolutely. Anytime.
1: (laughs) Yes, I agree. You were mentioning when we were talking, doing our show notes before that when you started to realize who Julia Childs was, tell me um, how you learned to, you know, being in first and second grade. You knew she was a tall, beautiful woman with pearls and in, in high heels and a dress and, you know, just this very lovely woman. But tell me the moment that you started to learn who she really was.
0: So we were at my grandmother's home in Hope Ranch and we were there for afternoon tea, which was our thing. She was British, so we always had afternoon tea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she was talking about Julia Childs and how she was doing she was cooking or something for a fundraiser. And then I was like, oh, I know that name. I've met her. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, well, when did you meet her? <laughs> and I explained that, you know, she had taught cooking class. And she goes, well, you know, she's a famous chef and she just lives down the street from me. <laughs> and I was completely in awe because mm-hmm. I had no idea. I was still very, very young. And after that, I started to research her more. And then I started reading the cookbooks. mm mm-hmm. And watching some of her television shows. And I learned quite a bit. And Mm
1: -hmm. it was
0: just such an incredible blessing Mm -hmm. to be where I was at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And to have Mrs. Childs show up and Mm -hmm. teach us cooking. I know. And how to chop vegetables and how to feel vegetables and smell them. Mm -hmm. It was truly a blessing.
1: An amazing experience that not a lot of people can live to tell about. And that—that's the phenomenalness of everything—is just that opportunity. It's un, it's almost unreal. Like you would, you almost wouldn't believe that that could
0: happen today. Oh, absolutely. There's certain points in my life where I sit there and I look at them and I go, "That is completely amazing and unreal." And how did that even happen? Mm-hmm. And I just have to thank my parents for. Mm -hmm. choosing Santa Barbara as the place to have children and sending me to an amazing school. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for Montessori center school, I know I would not be who I am today.
1: Oh, very nice. That we'll have to tag them in this. Absolutely. Yes. So I can vouch for you that you definitely learned something. We have been friends for nearly 25 years and I have been to house parties over those years. And you are definitely one that knows how to entertain and present food and all of that. And so I know you learned something because you're cut above the average person when it comes to that. And so that probably stems from that. And we're just going to give the queen of the kitchen the kudos of where that all came from. Although I know a lot of it's all about you.
0: (laughs) No, it really was Julia Childs who got me started on wanting to cook and wanting to learn to do better at it and to make different dishes and to try different things Mm -hmm. and that feeding people is love and you cook, to feed people. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that I show love to my family and my friends. And sometimes I just will get extremely focused on perfecting a recipe or changing a recipe just so it's the perfect way that I want it to be. and. I'll just spend however much time is needed to get that done. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I can vouch that we'll have to get some photos to put with this write-up when, when this airs. So that way um, others can see your beautiful creations and what you've learned and you honing your own skills and creating your own craft. So, oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much for being on today's show. I oh, appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'm just happy to be here. Yay. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow Provisions and Libations wherever you listen to podcasts. I will be back next week with an all-new episode. I am your host, Robin Bogue. You can learn more about me on my website, Online, or my LinkedIn profile, Robin Bogue. I look forward to entertaining you, informing you, and enlightening you with the perfect accommodations for connoisseurs of provisions and libations with an Epicurean flair. But first, let's eat and drink.